And we are live. We're not live. We're recording. I always, I always say we're live even though I've started recording these. I'm here with uh, Connor, Cato. Uh, how are you guys doing? What's Fantastic. up? What's up? The Triple C Gang. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm um, happy to have you guys back on. Uh, we're going to do plugs up top instead of before we hop into the conversation. So let's go ahead and uh, tell the audience about yourself and then do some plugs. Uh, Connor, you go first. All right, hey guys, I'm Connor. I uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Natural Authority. I am not on Twitter until Easter for Exodus ninety, but when I when I'm back, I'll hopefully see all you. And then um, if you want to find some of my work, I do a lot with the Mises Institute. So Mises.org/slash/ConnorMortel, um, or I don't know if it's slash, but Mises.org and search Connor Mortel. Otherwise, that's that's about all I've got to plug. Yeah, he he is he does have articles on osteotomism, but uh, the website is still down. I was gonna say I gladly plug those if you gave me a place to plug them. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. I have to we update everything, and like they they say they got the, the cheapest option I had to pay for the website domain is no longer an option, and so they're wanting like two times they want double the money as last year, and so I'm trying to get that together currently. You've got until yeah. Easter. Once I'm back on the internet, I'm expecting Oscar Thomism to be there. Well, hopefully by then it will be up. I just gotta. I mean, we might move to a different uh, hosting domain. Like if I see Boopson. Um, yeah, Cato, go ahead. And who are you? Give me plugs. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Cato the Sneaky. Just look for me. I post there mostly nonsense. You've been on some big name stuff. podcasts recently. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been on uh, Jay Burton and uh academic agent yeah it's it's been a blast uh i guess i'm the go-to brazilian guy so that's yeah, incredible i've been happy on after uh hopefully give us a good bump mm -hmm. brazilian guys always have the best takes just across <laughs> the board <laughs> yes let's hope i live up to that um so we're going to continue where we left off in the uh, liberty or equality live reading connor you were here last week so i don't need to explain the book to you uh cato do you have any questions about the book or have you read uh, it at all? I have a general idea. I started reading it uh, a while back, but I had to uh, move on to other stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Awesome. Well, just cut me off at any time if you want to add anything and we'll just go from there. All right. These whores, according to the great sea of, sea of Basil, are already conditioned by tendencies which can be found in earlier forms of democracy. He insisted democracy indeed has no enthusiasm for the exceptional, and whilst he cannot deny or remove it, he hates it from the bottom of her heart. Herself, a, monstrous, a monstrous product of mediocre brains and the envy, democracy can, can use as tools only mediocre men, and their pushing place uh, hunters give give her all desired guarantees of sympathy. Yet it must be admitted that a new spirit coming from below gets hold of the masses so that they, driven, so that they driven by dark instincts, are looking again for the exceptional. Uh, but herein they may be surprisingly surprisingly badly advised and take a fancy to Bon... Bo, uh, Bolanger. Bolanger? Never heard that word before. Um, Not going to uh, be the last word we get wrong in, in yeah, history. He's, he's a very... <laughs> It's an old book, <laughs> you know. Um, I do love that point about um, uh, what's it out here? Mediocre uh, has, men. Mediocrity. The democracy indeed has no enthusiasm for the exceptional. Um, I think that's a great point, and it kind of it, kind of, it speaks to my inner Randian, <laughs> but uh, I do I do kind of appreciate that point. Yeah, well, and I I think it's especially in the context of midwits. That's why they thrive on democracy because they are the mediocrities. They're not exceptional. They're just slightly above the average. So they think they, their cock is much bigger than they, it actually is. Yes. And yeah, I remember I was, at a, uh, I was at something for the Institute and Jeff would always talk about how the people who love their local city council meeting are – middle IQ progressives. And it was never the low IQ because low IQ is even less dangerous. It's those middle IQ people who show up to their city council meetings and actually care about that and scream for the democracy of it all. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the, um, and someone to Midwood Strive here, I think it's Midwood Strive and not putting forward ideas, but this, um, they have, they're good at rhetoric and quoting the, the kind of assumed consistent consensus of ideas and good at knocking down ideas, not really knocking them down, but 
again, midwits are great at rhetoric. They know how to say the thing people want to hear. And so uh, in democracy, that's what they strive. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to actually put forward a good idea. You got to put forward popular conscious beliefs a good idea and then make some feign nonsense about why the other, other ideas are bad. You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a home with a midwit. Yep. Um, what about I have? The terrible, simple, um, sim- anybody got an idea on this Simplificators. one? That, Simplificators. That's what I'd be going with too. Simplificators who book hard it. Are expected to be the coming uh, ma- to be the coming masters are far more potent and destructive than M. Dillard's uh, melancholy hero, and the egalitarian tendency envisioned by Burkhart, uh, and so typical of modern dictatorship. This is obviously democratic background. Hold on, has its obvious democratic background for the totalitarian government. Jesus, I cannot read tonight. The totalitarian dem- democrat, the type Mr. Herbert read is admittedly irrational, but has nevertheless the character of a necessary mystique. Alex de Tocqueville, on the other hand, clearly recognizes the psychological roots of the leveling mania. Equality is a slogan based on envy. It signifies the heart of every Republican. Nobody is going to occupy a place higher than I. No wonder that the modern dictatorships with the equality and slavery are so strongly based on the egalitarian system and on mass support. Not only elites or existing aristocracies save those coming into existence through the new bureaucracy, Bureaucracies, national socialism of the German pattern has now been the national national socialism of the German pattern has been no exception to the rule. Any uh, any comments? I think it just reiterates what we were just talking about about the mediocrity and how they because they the midwits or, or those mediocre people they know on on a deep level that they're not what they think they are. So they want to bring everyone down to their level. So they they want they feel like equality will bring those who are better than them to their level. I agree. No, I got nothing to add except all the same stuff I was saying last week that Eve Eve bleh, I'm not even gonna try and say his name. <laughs> EVKL is freaking awesome. Like I that's yeah. my only two. He's just great. I love this. The compilation of quotes that he is a gathered at a time before the internet is uh staggering. Oh, we talked about that the last time I was on where it was like it's just stunning if you gave me an academic career just to read the books that he had to read, <laughs> not even to analyze and write anything, just to read the books that he had to read to put this together, I don't think I could have done it. Yeah, it's Different breed of intellectuals back then. You gonna say something, Kato? Or no, no, I'm good. Thank you. Okay, okay. Um, an inevitable result of all leveling tendencies and the anti-liberal attitude over the earliest days of our history, we encounter complaints about indifference towards liberty. Dante has remind, 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 reminded us that even the freedom of the will. I'm not going to try, uh, has not always been taken seriously. Demarchia uh, 1. Why, Gerard Winstonley, writing in 1649, avows he has become disgusted with much empty talk about liberty. Yet these authors, being in a sense pre-democratic, have not fully faced the burning problem of the deep antagonism between liberty and equality, an antithesis to what we allude in the introduction, and what has been briskly overlooked by the man in the street, no less than by popular agitators and pamphleteers. The Nasso Cortez Cortes had no illusions about the alternative alternatives of equality, which has to be enforced, or liberty, which is by its very nature opposed to coercion. John C. Calhoun, the cast-iron man of the southern states, was quite aware of this difficulty. He said, there is another air, not less great and dangerous, usually associated with the one which has just been considered. I refer to the opinion that liberty and equality are so Intimately united, liberty cannot be perfect without perfect equality. Modern thinkers go far beyond this careful understatement. They insist with varying degrees of emphasis on the fact that democracy and liberalism are two entirely different principles dealing with different problems. To practically all of these analysts who have been, who have seen the rise of the uh, preliminary victories of contemporary totalitarianism, it was self-evident that this form of tyranny has its roots in the democratic. Plebiscitarian, Missourian, Egalitarian, and not in the liberal libertarian principle, just writing about national socialism, a contemporary also remarked, 
True Hitlerism proclaimed itself as both true democracy and true socialism, and the terrible truth is that there is a grain of truth to such claims. But one fact stands out with perfect clarity and all the fog. Hitler has never claimed to represent true liberalism. Liberalism then has the distinction of being the doctrine most hated by Hitler. This would not have surprised Ortesis Brownson, who wrote a century ago. We are Republican because Republicans is, Republicanism is here in the established order. But we confess that we do not embrace and never have embraced and is the sense of liberty, the popular democratic doctrine of this country. This pessimism was said by McCoakley, who wrote to H.S. Rando, an American foot in 1857, I have long been convinced that institutions purely democratic must sooner or later destroy liberty or civilization or both. In Europe, where the population is dense, the effect of such institutions would be almost instantaneous. You may think that you could your country enjoys exemptions from these evils. I frankly own I will frankly own to you that I am on the very different opinion. Your fate, I believe, is certain, though it is deferred by a physical cause. Any comments? No. No. I, I do love that though. The what he just said there that at the end of the day, democ democratic must sooner or later destroy liberty or perhaps civilization or both. That's so. Mm -hmm. and, and I really like the part at the end there where he says that you may think your country enjoys an exception because everybody really. I mean, like even in the face of America today, where it just really looks like things are falling apart, it's very easy to say, well. Sure, all those other countries collapsed when they did that, but it's not with us. We're totally different. I, mm -hmm. I liked that call out there. Mm -hmm. Lord Acton was no less articulate when he remarked in his lectures on the French Revolution. The deepest cause which made the French Revolution so disastrous to liberty was a series of equality. Liberty was the watchful of the middle class, equality of the lower. He was even more forceful in his view of Sir Erickson. May's Democracy in Europe, where he wrote, The effective distinction between democracy and liberty, which has occupied much of the author's thoughts, cannot be, can't, cannot be too strongly drawn. Slavery has been so often associated with democracy that a very able writer pronounced it long ago. He sends it to the democratic state. And the philosophers of the Southern Confederation have urged the theory with extreme favor. For slavery operates like a restricted franchise, attaches power to property, and hinders socialism. The infirmary that attends the infirmary that infirmity that attends mature democracies. I like that part. Socialism is the infirmary infirmity that attends mature democracies. Yeah. Isn't it isn't doesn't Hoppe make that point that yeah. uh democracy is a, a low form of socialism and that it's it eventually leads to it? And he, it's it's impossible to see how that's not the case. Yeah, Hoppe calls it nothing but a soft variant of communism. There you go. That's what I – And it's – yeah, it's, I mean it's, they're both spot on with that. That's exactly what it is. Well, and I try to forget Hoppe and uh, this guy's last name that I can't say. Leden. Um, how do you say it? Leden. Leden? Er okay. Eric Leden. I mean you can look to the socialists. I mean every every communist writer calls for democracy as the path. I mean Lenin in State and Revolution wrote about it a bunch that mm -hmm. democracy is their path to socialism. Yeah. Even more insistent was William Lecky, whose judgments was correct, although his views seemed exaggerated in his contemporaries and at least premature to the generation succeeding him. He said, "A tendency to democracy does not mean a tendency to parliamentary government." or even a tendency towards greater liberty. On the contrary, strong arguments may be adu ad um, adduced. Adduced? That does not seem like a word, but adduced, both from history and from the nature of things. Just so democracy may often prove the direct opposite of liberty. In ancient Rome, the old aristocratic public was gradually transformed into a democracy and then passed speedily into an imperial despotism. In France, a corresponding change has more than once taken place. A despotism was seen on a... Uh, Plebiscite. Pl pl uh, Plebiscite, thank you. Um, is quite is na a natural form of democracy as a republic, and some of the strongest democratic tendencies are distinctly ad adverse to liberty. Equality is the idol of democracy, but with the infi in infinitely various capacities and energies of man, this cannot be this can only be attained by a constant, systematic, stringent repression of the natural development. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. um, has to, uh, the 
the systematic trends that represent repressive of natural development. I like that. That's a fantastic. Being in the middle of Exodus 90 and reading every day about idolatry, because that's what all the readings <laughs> always end up being about. I, that line of quality is the idol of democracy hits like a, a freaking rock. I mean, that's mm -hmm. so true. Yeah. Um, on this point about, you know, the Roman uh, Republic, the democracy, the despotism. Um, I don't know because it's, it's not, I don't know if it has much, um, it's added much to the conversation, but it's interesting. I was reading uh, Plutarch the other day, and he had a, uh, someone compiled some of his essays to a book on how to be a wise leader. And uh, he talked about how uh, said old men be engaged in politics. And one of the things he brought up in that Athenian democracies, um, the rich people, who, the successful businessmen who are rich people were the only ones who really ran for office. Because they, if you were in office, you were expected to pay for every event or anything. If you wanted to build a road, you had to pay for it out of your own pocket. And so the people who had to vote on these things um, would also, um, I mean, these things also had to pay for it out of their own pocket. So it kind of created this like uh, barrier to entry where only those who were successful already could get into it. And no one could make the success off of politics. So mm -hmm. back when I worked for the Florida House of Representatives, uh, the Cato Institute came and lobbied to me. And their lobbying was to have politics pay more so that poor people and people in their 20s could get involved. And that was my exact thought. I was like, I, I, I don't know that that's a win to have people who are unqualified <laughs> more able to enter it. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the problem with democracy. It's like, I remember I was arguing with a guy yesterday the other day about democracy. And his, uh, his whole argument was, well, if it does mess up, it's the people's own fault that it messes up. But it's because they should be responsible for what happens in their own society around them. I'm like, see, brother, idiots vote and mess up and then have, you know, competent guys and so on. It's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. At least you're honest about it. But that just seems really stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a, a little – I've seen it in multiple places. People say, oh, every people has the government that they deserve. <laughs> no. They should not – be allowed to choose their government to begin with because they are gonna get the the something stupid because they most most people are fucking stupid. Oh, sorry, freaking it's, stupid. It's Can fine. I curse? I forgot to. You can curse. It's fine. Okay, cool. Anyway, yeah. uh, yeah. So they will always get the government they deserve because they don't know how to choose. Yeah. No, it's uh. That's no, funny. Um. The in, the in, what's the word I'm looking for here? How in, um, ingrained democracy democracy is, has a good thing is that even with like uh, there's chat AI bots you talk to like you make a character AI and you can talk to it even if you put in someone like Evola the AI still tries to defend democracy <laughs> you know yeah let's see right towards monarchists and or anti democratic in the uh, like chat build up like it had Socrates defending democracy but I'm like he was like one of the earliest guys to go against democracy. <laughs> He was, you know, killed by it. So it's just, it's very great. It's so ingrained even the AI is so like, you know, this was all information. Just assume that as a starting point. This is a, I don't know, it's neat. I had yeah. one of those chat AI bots and I told it to write a persuasive point that John Wilkes Booth was right. <laughs> and it just responded that that goes against chat AI's protocols or whatnot because it's supporting violence. Because those AIs are just fake and disappointing. And couldn't yeah. preach the truth that John Wilkes Booth yeah. is a national hero. The only <laughs> AI I found that I actually like was um, this is a website called character.ai.beta. Um, and it's, it's, it, does, it does really good. You can do it in the company's name. It does research on that character to form the AI personality around that character. And to put it to a test, I made an AI of myself um, off my Twitter account. And it uh, it's pretty accurate. It, it got my views pretty well, which was uh, – it is odd to talk to an AI person to yourself. That's a, <laughs> it was a very kind of a my friend then convinced that he knew the real Caleb Brown and that he wanted to then meet the real Caleb Brown. I'm like, this is a horror story waiting to happen. <laughs> the AI tries to kill the real one. That's a that's an interesting story. No, guys, you don't yeah. understand. I'm not back on Twitter. I just I just made an AI of all my old Twitter friends. <laughs> yeah. Man, we create the group chat. Make an AI of Jay. I'm gonna make an AI of paper. So make it make it positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a little end joke there. Um, yet, since democracy cannot relinquish its egalitarian inheritance, the jealousy, envy, and insecurity of the voting masses tend to give new and. Petuous 
impetuous of the egalitarian mania, as well as to ever-increasing demand for social security and other forms of economic democracy. These cravings and this desires result in specific measures, and thus we see, finally, a bureaucratic totalitarianism restricting personal liberties. Yeah, I mean, nothing to add, is he's just, you know, he's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Lucky wrote in the same place, in our own day, no fact is more inconsistent incontestable and conspicuous than the love of democracy um, and authoritative regulation. The expansion of the authority and the multiplication of the function of the state in other fields, especially in the field of social regulation, is an equally apparent accompaniment of modern democracy. This increase of state power means a multiplication of restrictions imposed upon the various forms of human action. It means an increase of bureaucracies of the number and power the number and power of state officials, it also means it means also a constant increase of taxation, which is a really which is in reality a constant restriction of liberty. Why P. J. Prodown? Pradun? I, I can never I don't pronounce this guy's name. I never say his name right. It's <laughs> Prodown or whatever it is. Um Pradone, thank you. Pradone. Yeah, that's Cato's right. I'm just never gonna say it right anyway. Yeah, Pradone. <laughs> Uh, knowing that every state is a <clears throat> is by nature anorexic, mm. it looks like anorexic almost, but this is I've never seen it with like a anexianistic. Anexianistic. Yeah, right. Kato. Yeah. How does the Brazilian know more English than I do? Uh, <laughs> I fully believe that on both our parts. People who learned English as a second language actually know English. We're over here talking nonsense. <laughs> I was teaching yeah. a kid contractions today, and it took us like 40 minutes, and he was not a young kid. I was like, how do you not know these? <laughs> Probably shouldn't be bullying children on the podcast. but uh, Bully children IOL on the podcast on Twitter. You got to always bully the kids. Bullied. Listen, they got rid of bullying schools. So now it's the teacher's job. <laughs> I closed the door. I'm like, all right, listen up, punk. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say that. <clears throat> Declared that democracy is the ideal of the state projected to infinity. Jacob Burkhardt formulated this, his, his ideas on a totalitarian tendency to democracy in a more intuitive and poetic way. We have beside us, we have besides, has the common expression in part of the ideas of the French Revolution and in part of the demands of modern reform movements, what is called democracy. This is an ideology emerged from a thousand different sources and highly different differented uh, according to the various layers of her supporters yet in one respect invariable that for is for it the power of the state over the individual can never be sufficient as a result the boundary line between state and society are obliterated Ooh, that's a, remember that one for a bit um, a and the state is expected to carry out all tasks which society might possibly neglect at the same time everything will be kept in a state of mobility and indecision finally certain groups will Certain group and caste will be given special guarantee of work and a living wage. That's prolific. Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. I, so I do have to say, I know I'm supposed to hate the French Revolution with everything I believe, but I'm <laughs> such a Napoleon fanboy that I just can't. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a, a, not, not a take on the perspective from me, Connor. I, I know that's not the it's right very response. unexpected one. <laughs> I know it's like, I just can't. <laughs> Um, or test Brownson went even further when he wrote democratic or democratically inclined governments are for the most part cruel and hard-headed hard-hearted like corporations they have no souls and are incapable of tenderness I love that so much he couldn't have even imagined the like corporations kills me because like you look at our democracy today and how intertwined it is I love that he described it as like corporations mm-hmm yeah, it's, it's good. There's so many names in here. I just want to like copy and paste for later. Um, so like, I, I want to read that guy. I want to read that guy. You know, it's like it's, it's a little anthology. This whole chapter is just an anthology of people. I one side you really like, one side you really hate. So it's a great chapter. I, 
I've been reading Saints lately, and I'm like, man, I wish I could go back to just reading Rothbard. There were so many less things to have to keep up with. These guys have been <laughs> writing for so long. There's too much. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to read, like, Bonaventure, and it keeps referencing the other Saints and Augustine. And I'm like, I need to go back with Augustine. Augustine references, like, the Terrence Fathers. I got to read the Terrence Fathers. And it just keeps, you know, the amount of people, like, when Aquinas has his little sites at the bottom, like, how's according to Augustine or the philosopher? I'm just writing out names at this point. It's I'm reading so. this by Augustine right now. And I call him St. Augustine because I'm a proud Florida nationalist. <laughs> but I never would have even picked this up if not for like just the past. I mean, it's so freaking long. Which one is it? <laughs> it's the City of God. Oh, oh nice. Nice. Yeah, it's the one where he good. spends the first 400 pages saying, look, let's concede the Roman gods are real. But they're demons and we must tear them down. <laughs> <laughs> Beast. Love them. I can't remember who it was, but someone made a... Uh, I made a tweet like, "What's Satan would have the best podcast?" And someone said, "Augustine have a podcast called Why Doordash is a Demon Meant to Make You Lazy." Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> and, what he was. And he would be right. He'd be right. I, I, I want to make an article called "The Demon Named Tendo." <laughs> like that. This is so many. The language of Augustine is uh, he's just incredible. I, everyone's he's so, to be, and then Aquinas would have a podcast that I really wanted to listen to, <laughs> but just wouldn't quite keep up with. <laughs> like a three-hour episode on one point, and like, come on, yeah. get it, get to the next one. Uh, it's uh, who is it? Uh, I was saying, um, uh, Saint Francis of Assisi would have a fun one. I bet. You know, all the saints, he'd probably have them like Moses, you know, just talking to people. It'd be a very, like Father, like Father Mike Smith, but kind of like a little different, you know. Very grounded, very down to earth. He yeah. could probably be just like take his uh, sound equipment in the streets and just sit down with <laughs> random people and be like, hey, why are you feeling like that? What can I do to make you feel better? He'd have the greatest TikTok. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, him walking about saying Francis TikTok. I've ever heard any person say. <laughs> Say friends and TikToks. Want to make those? <laughs> um, what was I had? Um, this judgment is similar to that made by modern authors who have dis despaired about the ability of democratic democracies to soar in wars by negotiation by the, by a negotiated and humane peace. Yet the preparation of the masses for totalitarian dictatorship through a penetration. Uh, that right? Yeah, penetration. Yeah, penetration. Um, you got it. Uh, by politics was another uh, to more oblique blow, so more oblique blow against liberty. Thomas Mann, in his younger years, had such apprehensions that they had also been, um, and they had have been voiced in our days by certain political sociologists. Also, Nietzsche, the passions we had no doubt that the democratic idea favors the nature of a human type prepared for slavery in the most subtle sense of the term. Every democracy that is is at one and at the same time an involuntary establishment for the breeding of tyrants, taking the word all, taking the word and all its con con connotations, including those of spirits of nature. Ooh, that's 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 a banger. That's Dude, a I, I want to hate Nietzsche, but I, 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 was, I was listening to uh, his book. Um, the the Antichrist is a bad title for it, um, but he he has lines, and I'm like, that goes. That's a good line. <laughs> You know, well, he, his <laughs> aphorisms go hard. Yeah. yeah. I see why he's so quoted, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember. I think it was in the book. Somewhere, somewhere, uh, it, may, it might have been a pamphlet, but I thought someone quote a, a Nietzsche thing that was like, there's only been one Christian and he died on the cross. Um, because Nietzsche really despised Christians. But even then, that's a line about there only being one Christian down on the cross. That's a, even if you disagree with it, that's still a, it's a hard line. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a. I was like, I need to find like who's like the good, you know, Catholic uh, equivalent Nietzsche who has this, you know, great little pithy one line or the hard lines. The view that there is within the framework of democracy ample opportunity for an anti-libertarian tendency, so even open totalitarian trends, is said by a whole score of modern authors. A contemporary of Nietzsche on the opposite side of the Atlantic, Herman Melville, uh, of the Atlantic, Herman Melville was haunted by the same fears. And relating to his own country, allowing himself to be swayed by the picture of a purely collectivistic China, grimly opposed to all individual individuality, he wrote with bitterness, How of the teeming prairie lands, there shall be the plentitude explained un, uh, untin, un, unthinned, unsinned, sorry, unsinned, unread, myriads, plain pygmy parts, the base into equality and get all 
and glut of all material arts, a civic barbarism may be man, disennobled, brutalized by popular science, atheized into small matter, dead level of rank commonplace, an Anglo-Saxon silency, may on your vast plains same the race in the dark ages of democracy. Ooh. That's... <laughs> I, I don't feel wow. like us three idiots have even the right to read Herman Miller. I mean, that, was <laughs> that was wow. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just copy that one for later. Um, that was Herman Melville. I want to look at him some more. That was. I have only point... read Moby Dick, but this is much better. Yeah, I uh, was here. Um, a civic barbarian may be man just uh, dis, brutalized by popular science. It's just a small matter. I mean, it's that one line right there. You yeah. know, it, it um, reminds me of a point Yaki was making in um, Imperium about um, Darwinism and Malthusian led to the amortization of man. You know, this, like, civic, civic barbarianism is just a great term to describe a lot. It's, yeah, I'm going to have to look at it. Describes the society as it's become since he wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is. And the bipopular science, I love. Atheized. Bipolar science atheized. That is just oh, I um beautiful. So I teach at the school I went to as a kid, and one of my students told me that they were reading my old poetry that was somewhere around campus, like from some assignment I did. I was like, <laughs> dear lord, there is stuff like this in the world. Read anything except the garbage I wrote when I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, this is so incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. I, this, um, this version is admittedly cultural rather than political, but neither to Melville nor to John Stuart Mill nor to the Tocqueville were the deeper interconnections hidden. Mill also became a victim of his misinterpretation of China, largely a visual error, but the analysis and permutation of this fervent social conditional trend of the democratic values are as timely today as ever. He wrote, the modern regime of public opinion is an unorganized form in which the Chinese educational and political systems are in an organized. And unless individuality shall be, able, shall be able successfully to assert itself against the yoke of Europe, notwithstanding its noble ascendance and its professed Christianity, would tend to become another China. What is it that hitherto preserved Europe from this lot? What has made the European family of nations an improving and nations an improving instead of stationary proportion of mankind. Not any superior excellence in them, which when it exists, exists has the effect not the cause, and a remarkable diversity of character and culture. Mill then continued to analyze first the character and the effects of the element of diversity in the European scene, and after emphasizing the independence between diversity and freedom, he gave a short survey of all forces opposed to diversity in favor and equality and identity. And assuming he wrote, and summing up, he wrote, damn, I cannot read tonight. And summing up, he wrote, the combination of all these causes for, forms so great a massive influence hostile to individuality that it is not easy to see how it can stand its ground. It will do, it will do so with increasing difficulty unless the intelligent part of the public can be made to feel its value. The seed that it is good, there should be differences. Hold on. The seed that it is good, to see that it is good, there should be differences. Even though not for the better, even though as it may appear to them, some should be for the worse. It, if the claims of individuality are ever to be asserted, the time is now. While much is still wanting to complete the enforced assimilation, it is only in the earliest stages that any stand can be successfully made against the encroachment. Sorry, my throat's going dry. Hold on. In these pages, Mill shows himself to be an unorthodox utilitarian of the egalitarian spadework of democracy. He seems to have been less conscious, quite unlike J.J. Beckforn, the cultural anthropologist, a friend of Burkhardt, Burkhardt, who could write, Since the victory of... Hmm, anyone know this one? Lucerne. Thank you. Lucerne, the dogma of popular sovereignty and the omnipotence of democracy has become the practical basis of our public institutions. I don't doubt that this ideology is going to proceed to all, even its most extreme conclusions. If the conditions of Europe permit it to permit it, and if great catastrophes do not lead people back to the true foundations of a sound political life, 
Yet complete democracy is the end of everything good. Republics have the most to fear from it. I tremble at the thought of this expansion. Not on account of property, but because democracy throws us back to barbarism. Back into barbarism. For this is the curse of democracy, that it carries its devastation into all domains of life, affects church, home, and family most severely, and distorts the true point of view on all questions, even the smallest one. Because I love freedom, I hate democracy. This whole stick here is why I honestly, like, if I have to give someone a critique of democracy, I give this instead of giving uh, Democracy the God that Failed. Mm -hmm. As much as I love that book. I love this right here where he talks about not on account of property, which, of course, I, being a Mises Institute guy, I'm very big on property. I get it. But I love these. It's so much more important. It's that it destroys our whole culture and sends us to barbarism. Like, property is just the beginning of the just horrible, disastrous mm -hmm. effects of democracy. And then he just lists all of them off. It affects life, church, home, family. I love that. Yeah, it, it's I mean, kind of like that, a spiritual like disease. Exactly, Cato. Wish Buckhard it. Buckhard? Whatever. Gun. Cato, hmm. uh, you got this one? Gonzag. Gonzag, thank you. I was going to go with Gonzaga, that school that's good at basketball. Oh, yeah. That, that, that probably works. That's not well, right, Gonzague. but that's how I would have said it. Mm hmm. <laughs> Gonzague de Winard, and not to a certain extent, even with Emile and Dennis, the Rothmont backphone belonged to Anti-Democratic Swiss School. Yeah, there's, there's so many names in here that it's very, you know, European. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, it's not in my, uh, yeah, I don't read, I don't read a lot of European names. Um, to also try to read like old, like, you know, Plutarch, where you reference Greek or Roman names. I'm like, I, they're all Alcibiades. That's what I'm gonna go with. All right, um, what was I here? Swiss school to what we might also add o Oscar uh, Bofo, who was a Catholic like the Winard, but a convert. The Wolfmont, a Calvinist, an existentialist, is rather skeptical towards democratic claims and anti democratic. His attitude is similar to that of the 19th century Zeven H. Emil. This is a school of thought which places its emphasis on the persons, emphasis on the person. On decentralization, on an organic continuity of tradition. Both Bachfund's trend of thought, unlike Mills, had a religious foundation. He was not so much afraid of the Enlightenment, it's like of the egalitarian mania, as of the uh, vagaries. Vagaries, sorry. Okay, um, vagaries of the masses torn away from the moment of their face, destroying the liberties and a blind force of irrationality and emotional frenzy. That's a good line. Mm -hmm. I like him explaining the Calvinist is anti-democratic. It's like, yeah, the guy who believes that there's a special predestined elect is not for <laughs> everyone getting the same vote. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. In Bachfund's allusion to his indifference towards Hab and Hab and Gut, i.e. property, we sense a hint of fear already expressed by Madison, who said in a letter to Zared Sparks that laws must be capable of protecting the rights of property against the spirit of democracy. A similar idea expressed in the Federalist Papers by the same author, and notwithstanding the founding fathers' identification of direct democracy, which democracy asserts, there are constant efforts made to instill the spirit of pure democracy into the political structure of the United States. Efforts which might easily lead to the results dreaded by James Madison, who found pure democracy incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, Federalist Number 10. The confiscation of nationalization of property by progressive young democ democracies with full majority support, as well as with the deportation of home minorities, Niesel, and the United States students, uh, Sudeten, Germans, and Czechoslovakia, etc., have shown Madison's fears to not be unfounded. Frederick Engels was convinced that the Democratic Republic was the ideal form of government to serve as an arena for the class struggle and the inner dictatorship of the uh, propertyless classes. The notion that socialism, i.e. an authoritarian state capitalism, uh, is the final logical consequence of the democratic postulates has been supported in our days by the most divergent thinkers. Naturally, we should not forget the Pauli Hegelian fatherhood of socialism, 
de Tocqueville visiting Germany in 1852 clearly recognized this in, uh, interconnection. It was, de, it was also de Tocqueville who, who foresaw in a more precise and concrete way than all of his contemporaries the danger of the evolution from, evolution from, evolution from democracy and especially from democratic republicanism to tyranny. He envisioned this evolution not by not as a process of dialectics, but in a direct and logical sequence because of his objectivity and balance and judgment. This Norm Norman Count has often been declared to be an outright supporter of democracy, which he decidedly was not. It was honor and was whole and melancholy. Me I can never say that word, melancholy. You got it. It's melancholy. Melancholy fear there that he go. contemplated the coming victory of democracy, which it must be admitted he detested less than the next stage, which was a Nissen, this great liberal wrote, the absolute monarchies have dishonored despotism. Let us be let us be careful that the Democratic Republicans do not rehabilitate it. The Tocqueville's Catholic background prevented him from becoming a cultural historical determinist. Nevertheless, the chances that the survival of liberty and the present democratic aids he sought to be less than the preceding aristocratic periods, he wrote to Gobbin. I want to say Gobbinu, but I don't know if that's correct. Mm -hmm. In my eyes, human societies like individuals are nothing if not by the use of liberty. I have always said that liberty is more difficult to establish and to maintain in democratic societies like ours than in aristocratic societies which have preceded us. But this, but that. But that this should be impossible, I would never be rash enough to believe. Yet the picture he painted of the coming servitude, grandiose and depressing by the very depths and accuracy, so the more pessimistic outlook, we find in the second volume of Democracy in America, contained in two chapters entitled, What Sort of Despotism Has Democratic Nations to Fear? He begins the speculation by remarking that during his sojourn, to the, uh, his uh, so, 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 right? yeah. so, in the United States, 1871-32. And after his return to Europe, he was haunted by the specter of a new despotism, which would engulf the nations of Christendom. After analyzing tyranny and iniquity, he comes to the conclusion that in spite of all arbitrariness, brutality, and vindictiveness of despots and emperors, the totalitarian element was fairly absent. The natural and historical obstacles for a complete regular... Uh, Regulation, the regulation of civic and political life over vast areas would have proved insurmountable. But these early despots, he remarks that, that tyranny rested very heavily on a few, but did not extend to a great number. It was focused on a few main objects and neglected the rest. It was violent but limited in scope. It seems to me that despotism, more established among the democratic nations of all days, would have different characteristics. It would be more extensive and more mild. It would the great man was out tormenting them. Ooh, that's a that's a uh, good one. Yeah, the point about it with the great man without tormenting them is a uh, spot on. <laughs> you guys would just talk for a minute. I'm gonna grab more water because all this bleeding is uh make my throat hurt. All right. Uh, yeah. Hang on. I'm actually gonna be the worst. Can I grab more water while you're pausing too? I think that sorry. that's probably be the, for the best. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'll everyone be right back taking a break at the same time. Gunner stepped out to get some water as well. Oh, good. I can edit this. We're not live. We're recording, so I can edit this little clip out if we need to. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to take a leak real quick. Sounds good. Sounds good.
All right, I'm back. Cool. Perfect. Okay, yeah, we're going to edit that little clip out because it was, uh, you know. But, um, yeah, my, 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 my I, I had, had talked to a lot of people at work today, so my throat's a little, you know, so I'll just read it. Um, and I got to say, the um, excuse me, one of the things with this book that's, like, kind of frustrating is that um, the PDF is not always the clearest, you know. Like, it's going to be retyped soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a few words I'm like, you know, I know that word, but the way it's, like, like little parts of it are, like, missing because it was like a typewriter or something. Is this making me question it a bit? Well, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the right word, but I'm gonna just pause and think for a second. Mm-hmm. Honestly, after after me doing some of the reading last time and me realizing, like in in all our minds, we know all these words and we're great, and then all of a sudden, like when I was reading last time, I was stumbling over a few of them too. I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna judge. <laughs> I definitely had my stumbles. Yeah. Yep. So where were we at? We were at a. Let's go down. Um, you have to hop here. Is, uh, your page. Um, yeah, that here it is. Okay, I wanted to do a uh, like hand in front of the camera so I know what to kind of add it back in. He did insist that the coming form of tyranny is going to be so fundamentally new that there's absolutely no term to label, no appropriate uh, appellation mm-hmm. he could use for it. The si- the thing is new, and since I cannot name it, I have to define it. Uh, his descriptive analysis starts with a vision of ma- was a vision of masses of men alike and equal, attracted by small and vulgar pleasures. Yet, above this race of man stands an immense and tutelary, tutelary. Thank you, and tutelary power which takes upon itself alone to secure their gratifications and to watch over their fate. That power is absolute, minute, regular, uh, provident, and mild. It would be like the authority of a parent if, like the authority, its object was to prepare men for manhood, but it seeks, on the contrary, to keep them perpetual childhood. It is with content that was, is well content that the people should rejoice, provided they think nothing but think of nothing but rejoicing for their happiness, as his government willingly labors. Um, but it chooses to be the sole agent and arbiter of that happiness. It provides for the uh, security, uh, yeah, security for that security, foresees and supplies the necessities, facilitates their pleasures, manages their, uh, their principal concerns, directs their industry, regulates the descent of property, and sub- subdivides their inheritances. And what remains, what remains but to spare them all care of sinking and all trouble of living. Like I said, I love this part here about the um, what did I hear? Uh, if like that authority, its its object was to prepare men for manhood, but it seeks, on the contrary, to keep them in perpetual childhood. I made a, a tweet the other day about the the one of the unforeseen consequences of the materialist mindset and the worship of longevity has been the deification of use, and the byproduct of that has been the you know a, a young adults and grown ass men who you know are looking for the lost inner child, always trying to recapture the joys of use, now moving on to actually being a man. Yeah, it's it's a perpetual state of arrest development. And one other thing that I've noticed on a few quotes before is that like th- that one says the power is absolute minute. Minute, regular, provident, and mild. I think <laughs> mild. It keeps talking about how it's not overwhelming. It's like a slow burn, something that is you feel that is there, but it's not something that happens all of a sudden. It's not a revolution. It's not like a punch. It's like scratching until it bleeds. Yeah. Now it's um. I, this is a toke. I need to read the toke for. He's been yeah, on my list for a while. He's always been on my list, and I've always put him off for someone else, but he's great. Dude, how has Wyatt read more to Toke for the Ezo of us? <laughs> we got we to gotta fix that. <laughs> I cannot let this, this, this New York Iris man, you know, be better than me. I, I'm Irish too, so I mean, I, I'll go out and read more just to have one more Irishman be better than you. <laughs> <laughs> this is an accurate picture of the totalitarian states, only seemingly modeled marred by the author's emphasis of the element of mildness. Here we have to bear in mind that brutality and cruelty in the totalitarian state are merely means to achieve specific ends. The vistas of the Tokvas relate to a peaceful evolution over before degeneration. Yes. (laughs) 
I spent I'm, I'm talking about the tree earlier. I spent um like five minutes trying to get my Google autocorrect to make to get that word correct. Degeneration. <laughs> this is exactly the word they used to describe it. Um a slow process of interaction and decline, with men becoming gradually more like mice uh, and states more like leviathans. That's a that is fantastic. That's great. Wow. What His, is, it, the the comparison of states to leviathan is, I mean, like that's done a lot, but to couple it with men gradually becoming more like mice, just that's a that chef's kiss right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. His air is merely one of timing. It's a political process is faster than a sociologist, a psycho, psychological, cultural, character, uh, logical. That's a, I've never heard that word before. Character logical, uh, decay in other words, and full political totality. It reads before individuals are ready for it, and a reign of terror and brutality. A reign of terror and brutality must set in so that populism can be weeded out and thus uh, homogenized, homogenized as well as paralyzed by abject terror. Such so a situation prevails that democracy has not, not had enough time to prepare the states if, for instance, the religious background is too personal, uh, personalistic, if racial diversities are too pronounced, or if class differences are too diverse a factor, under these circumstances, modernists will have to be replaced by constant uh, concentration camps, mass exiles, deportations, and gas chambers. Unlike, uh, I guess, until and unless a totally new and uniform generation grows up. Um, I don't know, man. That last sentence actually has me sold on democracy. They're getting somewhere now. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, this point, about the um, homogenized, there's a great. Um, a piece from uh, uh, his name his, on Twitter. His name, it was it was Hagfish, and now it's uh, David oh, Gordon's. Uh, he's great. Yeah, I had to yeah. you with him. I love him. Oh yeah, he, I had him on a podcast a few times. He wrote a great article. Um, it's gonna. It was a what was it called? It was basically um, it's like a hoppy inversion of multiculturalism from um, Paul Gottfried. Let me see if I get. I, I want to cite it correctly, and I have it saved here recently. Let me just bring it up real quick. Um, uh, I, I, we just did it recently on the podcast. Let me find it real quick. I think he um, won the uh, the Moonlich Prüfung or whatever German word we use for the contest we have every year at Mises yeah. U. I think he he either won or at least placed. He was a smart kid. No, dude, I've, he is incredibly smart. I, I love the guy. He's a uh, ridiculously smart. He is, considering uh, I only came in fourth, he must be a genius because I'm better <laughs> than everyone. <laughs> Um, here it is. Multicultural is a contradiction in terms. Uh, it's on Mises Institute. Uh, if I'm actually no, it's on Hoppian. Sorry, it's on Hoppian.org. I will actually be posting this article in the description uh, if anyone wants to check it out because it is just an absolutely incredible piece. I did an episode on it with him. I recommend everybody go check that out. Um, but yeah, the um, multi the, the the attempt to you know homo uh, homo hmm, homo forget I'm not gonna make the, Thank you. Homogenize the, the attempt to homogenize everyone through this act of like multiculturalism, of like putting everybody together so they get when this you know flooding uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for immigrants or you know to the south during uh, reconstruction and attempt to destroy culture and multiculturalize it and create a harmonize uh, homo- I can never say the word a state is a uh, is a point that is you know. Very important to where we at now, where we where we are at now, but it's not something that it's not something that I see talked about enough. Besides his book on the culturalism, Ryan also hit on that a little bit the last time we talked, where he, we talked about how he uses so many words that today have just been so mutilated that we kind of have to take the definitions as he gives them. Mm-hmm. And one of like when he talks about dem- diversity, he's talking about like a genuine diversity of thought, and it's such yeah. like a nonsense word today, mm-hmm. and the. The funny thing is the very word diversity he uses has been completely homogenized where even diversity is not meant to be actually diverse anymore. Yeah, it's not yeah. a difference. Is it? It's everyone. It's like an, uh, a homogenous uh, gray blob with no – yeah. I, I don't want a diverse worldview. I want you to be black and also agree with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Okay. Uh, well, we are, well, one day, one day at a time. Let's wrap up this page, and we'll just uh, 
go we'll just wrap up this page and go from there. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll plug and find final find right. thoughts. Yet, if the whole process happens in an orderly fashion, these excesses can be avoided. Men whose civil, civilian val valor, men whose civilian valor finds its supreme expression in pulling a lever behind a protective curtain will not have the courage to rebel and call the prison camps actually a healthy sign because they um, denote resistance will not exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a uh, that's that. <laughs> that reminds me a bunch of Kaczynski's The Systems Need a Strike. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know that De Tocqueville and Ledin, uh, Ledin would really want me comparing him to Kaczynski, but, like, I'm reading that, and I'm like, oh, hey there, Ted. <laughs> oh, this, oh, wow. I, 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 yeah, I'm going to have to think about that one some more and maybe expand on that in some writing later, because that's a healthy sign of resistance. Will not exist. Governmental paternalism will be acclaimed. And Andy Tocqueville remarks: "A principle of equality has prepared men for these things. It has predisposed men to endure them, and oftentimes to look on them as benefits." Mm -hmm. So many writers in this book he found were just prolific for the time. Yeah, they were brilliant. He then continues to add a school of other details to the sword pizza, which sometimes remains reminds us of the democratic and at other times of the dictatorial government of our days. All also admits that the new tyranny not only might use libertarian slogans, but be, even be established in the saddle of the sovereignty of the people, torn between the surviving demand for liberty and the desire to be led. The masses are prone to a to make a compromise by electing ma masters who give them the illusion they are ruled by themselves. After all, it is at the end of this chapter, and he met... Um, it is at the end of this chapter that he meditates on the results of a former government which an elected had but an unbending absolutism of scope of its legislation and an execution of all regulations and laws. A constitution which would be republican in its head and ultra-monarchical in the other parts had always seemed to me to be a monstrosity of short duration. These vices of the governors and the in um, um, imbecility. Yeah imbecility of the uh, subjects would not fail to bring about its ruin. And the people tired of its representation, tired of its representatives and of itself would create free institutions or would sooner or soon give up and prostrate itself at the feet of a single master. Uh, how much is left? Let me just check to see how much is left here. Um, this yeah, never mind. We're not gonna... a good, good long bit. Yeah, it's going to mm -hmm. be at least three, three to four episodes. Yeah. This meditation is continued in the next chapter when Tocqueville insists again that the dangers of a new tyranny is at hand. Despotism appears to be appears to me peculiarly to be appears to me peculiarly to be dreaded in democratic ages. I should have loved freedom, I believe, at all times, but at all times in which we live, I am ready to worship it. It is in the second volume of Democracy in America that Tocqueville arrives at his at, his, at this pessimism. Or also confesses that the primary interest in his research and analysis was not the United States as a country, but democracy as such. America was only my frame of democracy with my subject. He found precisely the same phenomenon and developments in Europe, and this was the experience which largely promoted him to return to the scene, which forced him to deal with the cultural and, with the cultural and political rather than the legal aspects of the rising democratic trend. The United States were ideas as Ideal has a case history, not so much because Andrew Jackson had just risen to power when the Tocqueville visited the country, e not even because the term democracy was then on everybody's lips, or because America is has Leon Faroe. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cato, you want to try this one? Uh, Guillermo. I. You couldn't pay me to try and repeat that. I, I can't even. No. Guillermo. Yeah, Guillermo Ferrero. Yeah, that guy. Uh, permanently deceased, uh, premature deceased son called it a magnifying meal of Europe. <laughs> but we think simply because recent developments in the United States were bound to stick out more clearly than in the old world, Europe and its manifold, transparent historical layers, obscures the clarity of political phenomenon. After all, it is easier to read handwriting on a fresh sheet of paper than on, on a fresh sheet of paper than on a paper already covered with numerous notes. Okay, and that's where we're going to uh, page 32. 
we got true uh troll pages tonight so that's pretty good i'm gonna call it there man um, we ended on the page ryan said he wanted to get to last time well podcast to get to that well perfect. I'll, I'll get wide on for the next one and I'll have to get you and uh, Kobe wants to join. So I'll have to get you, Connor. Kobe wants to join you for an episode. So I got to get you guys back on. Again I, was, for this. I just want right, to talk so, to Kobe. I don't even care about doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, yeah. he always got me. I need to chat with him. <laughs> he's, he's fantastic. He's the um, only person in our corner of the internet that cares about college football. I needed him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, any final thoughts on the uh, on the on the on the book? What we read? It's it's incredible how prescient everything is. The guy, the writing was on the wall two hundred years ago. Well, yeah. almost two hundred years ago, people were talking about it. Even Tocqueville, what the Tocqueville that people talk about it all the time, and they seem to have not gotten what he was going on about. Yeah, and. I can, as as we were reading, I could see how the midwits being a power and it were, was, in, was inevitable, how anarcho-tyranny was inevitable, how about the total state, as Oral McIntyre refers to it, is inevitable. How this, like, and it's crazy how the writing was on the wall and was like, yeah, let's just pretend that's not there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, and uh... it's really it's unreal because you want to say that it doesn't seem inevitable, and like I, I'm not going to pretend to be as smart as these guys. Had I been sitting around in the 1950s, I would not have said that this was inevitable. Mm-hmm. But even now, you look at it, and you're like, everything they say came to fruition, and he was here saying it 70 years ago, and he's quoting people who said it 100 plus years before him. I mean, like it was the most brilliant men of the past several hundred years have been saying, or well, more than hundred years have been saying this forever. And here we are facing the consequences of our own actions and being shocked by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm super glad we're covering this. I look forward to, I look forward to getting out of this chapter when he's kind of, again, this has been a great chapter, but I look forward to getting to where he's talking more, his arguments that he's yes. making stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I look at this, I mean, Monarchy and Wars were my favorite articles or pieces ever read. And so I want to, I want to cover more, you know, specifically Lydon's points. And so it's, you know, I'm looking forward to where this podcast is going. It's going to be a fun series. It's also probably going to be a, the entire year long, considering uh-huh. episode three and we're not even halfway to chapter two. Yeah, it takes work to get through. Although I will say when I read this, I read a good chunk of chapter two and then skipped ahead to the next chapter to get to more of his writing and came back to this at the end because I felt the same way. I was like, he's all these people are brilliant. And I love these quotes. And I have like a, just an entire book notebook of quotes. I wrote down off to the side, Yeah, but it is like, you are like, I mean, it, you're getting through it and you're just like, man, I think that second chapter goes from like page 20 to like page 80. And you're just like, man, I, I love this and all this is great, but I want to get to your contributions. Yes. All yeah, of these problems chapter... are great, but you were one too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I know it's a chapter later. This is actually where um, I first heard about the book was on a Radlib stream. He had uh, him and Ryan Turnips who talked about it. And he talked only about the first half because apparently the second half, they disagreed with the fact that he blamed Martin Luther for everything. <laughs> uh, which is why I'm like, we're going to have fun when we talk, when we get to that chapter. Especially considering. I we are gonna thrive in that chapter. Yeah, yeah, and I look forward. To, I want to um, compare yeah. that to Zach Maritan's uh, blaming Luther for everything as well. I think that'd be Na- kind of a good comparison to make. Naming the chapter Luther and National Socialism. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, a, it's, it's I, that's gonna be Just, a fun one. That's gonna be a fun one. That's um, what we were built for. Yeah, <laughs> Austin was built off of that chapter. <laughs> Actually, technically, Austrian Thomas was after, was built after Leden because he labeled himself as a Thomas who was an Austrian. He is the main reason I named the website. It's called Austrian Thomism. He's the prototype. Yes. If if he if if, uh, we, if the website had a patron saint, <laughs> it would be, like, <laughs> um, it would he, be Thomas Aquinas. But yes. then, <laughs> then like like we have we have the patron saint and we have the secular saint. <laughs> um, <laughs> Table word for it, but I, I'm, I'm tired. I can't think of a better term for it. Um, anyway, thank you guys both for coming on. Uh, I know I've had to plug. Yeah, no, I've, I've never really done plugs, but just because it's kind of a YouTube thing you gotta do, just kind of say them again. Let's say your plugs one more time if you want. 
uh, Kato the Sneaky at Twitter. On Twitter, just look me up. I'm there. Let's have fun. I, I've got to say, when I say when I have multiple guests, I got to pick a name because I know. I'm like, this. I got to end that silence out now, don't I? Yeah, Caleb, it's your show. <laughs> yeah, I got I got to actually point and go, Connor. Connor, your right. turn. Well, uh, I'm natural authority on Twitter. There's no why. It's just natural authority because natural authority didn't fit. I will not be there till Easter, and even after Easter, I'm probably not going to be as active as I used to be, but I will uh, I will pop back on there, and then you can find a lot of my writing at uh, Mises.org if you just search my name, and then in theory, you can find my writing at Ostrotomism. I, I loved some of my pieces that I used to share with my friends back when I had these fancy little links that when people could click on it would take them to them. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I have I mean, you, you and uh, both have both sent me articles to publish, and I'm like, they're incredible articles. Yours, your one was about like, um, also economics is value free, and then, um, uh, both is on like, uh, divorce being a hyper reality using like, uh, both real semi locker points. Yeah. Both of those are incredible, and I want to publish them because I want people to read how great they are. But until I get the website fixed, I, I'm the only one who can enjoy them. I got my own little secret library of great writers right now. Well, and it's so funny, too, because I'm not going to know when it goes back. Like, when you send the tweet that says it's live, I'm going to miss it. I've been waiting for that article to go live. That was I was either at the national championship or at the uh, playoff game when that went. So I've been, like, talking to friends. I'm like, I swear I've got something coming for you. You're going to love to read this. Just wait. I, well, I'm going to look at the website again tonight. We're gonna, It'll we're gonna come when it comes. It's, yeah. The internet's annoying. It is. Ted it is. He was right. He was right. It's okay. Well, uh, thank you guys for coming on. This has been an episode of Osteotomism, the uh, Liberty Acquired live reading. Go check out the previous episodes. Um, a lot of great stuff coming out in the future. Uh, Bodes and I are going to cover on human nature from uh, Scrutin and then try to do a new live reading of uh, sexual desire from Scrutin. Uh, I'm, I'm transitioning less from book clubs to live readings because the uh, prep work is less and I'm, uh, I don't have time. I don't have the time to you know, read and. It made sense to read a whole book when you're like, you know, a, a wasp art essay. Now I'm trying to read like all of sexual desire by Scrutin and then cover that in one episode. You know, it, it can't be done. So more live readings coming forward. Uh, make sure you like, comment, say, subscribe. Hopefully, Einkast and uh, Bodes put out another episode of the Amari Tan series because it's an incredible series. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Uh, again, I'm on Twitter at Caleb on 549 at Oscar on Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, all the podcasters. Um, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good night.